at one stage and they called me Mr. Dr. Pastor Lean. They <laughs> <laughs> sort of backed it sort of three or four different ways. But um, I don't care what you call me, to be perfectly honest. Um, most people just call me Murray and I'm comfortable with that. But, um, but yes, uh, it, it, there was a time early on in my working life as a doctor when the passion of my heart was to come and work in a hospital in, in, up here in far north Queensland. But it didn't work out the hospital. The education, sorry, the health department sent me to Biloela and I, I didn't really get further north than there. But I'm here, I'm in the far north now. I'm having my first trip to the Atherton Tablelands and it's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, in a sense, I'm thinking to myself, gee, I wish, you know, 40 something years ago, <laughs> the Lord had opened the door for me to come here. But uh, God w- works in all sorts of different ways and uh, I've had a good life and uh, I'm not complaining. Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, please open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read verses 12 to 23. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 12. This is the well-known passage where... Paul talks about the resurrection of the dead. Starting at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, We are then found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we, we do thank you that on a day like today that we can rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead. And Lord, we pray that something of the joy and the courage that came into the lives of those early disciples on that first resurrection morning might flow into our hearts today as we reflect, Lord, on the significance of the resurrection of Jesus for our own faith. We serve a risen Saviour and he's in the world today and one day he's coming back and he's going to reign in glory. He's going to come back to take us to be with himself forever. Oh, Father, 
What a wonderful thought, what a wonderful prospect that is. And so encourage our faith today, Lord, as we reflect on this important message. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, the Anglican Archbishop of Perth made this statement. He said, I wouldn't have a clue whether Jesus physically rose from the dead, but what I do know is Christ is risen. If that sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth at the same time, uh, let me explain. There's a, there's a view out there and it's a fairly common view especially among um, churches where they don't believe the Bible is fully the word of God. There's this view that, um, that Jesus only rose again spiritually but not physically. If you want to believe that Jesus is alive today, that is fine. Spiritually, Jesus is alive, but not necessarily physically. I mean, it's like saying, if you want to be, believe in fairies, that's quite okay. You're free to do that. Believe in fairies. All right. But don't expect them to be real. And, you know, I mean, it's sad, but there are people, even like the good archbishop there, who have that particular view of the resurrection of Jesus. He doesn't believe in the miracle, if you like, of the resurrection, that Jesus physically walked out of that grave on that first resurrection Sunday morning. We're here sitting today as Christians and we're celebrating spiritual resurrection of Jesus or are we celebrating the physical resurrection of Jesus? What do you think? Where are you in terms of your understanding of the resurrection of Jesus? I won't ask Christian of hands. I don't want to embarrass him. But does it matter to you that Jesus rose physically from the dead or not? That's the question. C.S. Lewis, the famous British author, very quotable guy, he wrote these words. He said, Christianity is the only world religion that depends on a miracle. And the miracle that he was talking about was the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There are many books that have been written about the resurrection of Jesus. They've been written by scientists. They've been written by medical people. They've been written by um, lawyers. They've been written by theologians and they're studying the accounts of the resurrection in the Bible and, uh, and then they have studied all the other sort of scientific data, if you like, about the resurrection of Jesus and they've come to their conclusions about the resurrection. And I mean, if you want to read those books and if you want to study the resurrection of Jesus at that level, um, that, is, that is a very commendable thing to do. But the... Bottom line is, you have to come to some kind of conclusion because as Christians, the resurrection is absolutely central 
to our faith in Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and those verses that I just read to us before, it, um, it, it, it deals with the importance of this subject of the physical resurrection of Jesus. And I mean, I, I just want to stay up front here. I mean, uh, I have respect for the good Archbishop of Perth, but I'm not prepared to accept his view of the resurrection. It feels to me as though he's speaking with a forked tongue. In this passage from 1 Corinthians 15, it gives us at least five consequences that flow from not believing in the resurrection. And I want us to quickly run through those this morning. If Jesus did not rise physically from the dead, the first thing that we need to conclude is that uh, the credibility of Jesus is fatally damaged. Look at verses 12 and 13. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Jesus staked his credibility on the fact that he would rise again on the third day. He said things like this. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body, his physical body. That's in John chapter 2, verses 19 and 21. He talked about the sign of Jonah as a reference to the fact that for three days he would be in the tomb, but then that he would rise from there. The Jewish leaders knew that Jesus had said these things and after he had, um, after he had uh, risen from the dead, they actually went to Pilate and they said, we must, sorry, after Jesus had been buried, they went to Pilate and they said, we must put a, um, uh, some guards on the tomb there because, you know, the great fear is that he will actually rise from the dead. And if we've got those guards there and we've got the tomb sealed, you know, we'll make sure to the best that we possibly can from a human point of view that he cannot walk free from that grave. So it was a well-known fact that Jesus had said beforehand that he was going to rise from the dead. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there would be an asterisk over his over everything that he had said and done in the course of his life. He would have been no better than all the other great figures of history who have died and been buried and never ever come back to life again. He would have been no better than any of them. But as it happened, Jesus did rise from the dead. People could see, like Thomas, the, the, the scars in his hand and in his side. They could um, see him eat fish. They could talk to him. On one occasion there were 500 people who actually saw Jesus. If they were, if they were hallucinating, 500 of them in one go, it must have been quite some hallucination experience there. It tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 that Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God. Why? By his resurrection from the dead. More than any other miracle that Jesus performed in his lifetime, the 
the resurrection of, of Jesus from the dead validates who he was, confirms his credibility. I can't remember which Greek philosopher it was. I'm thinking it might have been Plato, but several hundred years before Christ, he said this. He said, I'll believe there is a God when I see him walk down the streets of Athens. Well, Jesus didn't walk down the streets of Athens, but he walked on the road to Emmaus. I know that for sure. And he walked on the streets of Judea and he walked on the streets of Galilee. And he did that after his resurrection. And our confidence in the credibility of Jesus and the credibility of Jesus' life and of his ministry, his identity as the Son of God is dependent on his physical resurrection from the dead. Well, the second thing is that if there's no resurrection, then preaching is useless, it tells us in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. The passion of Paul's life from the moment of his conversion on the road to Damascus was to preach the message of Christ crucified and risen. Paul had spent 30 or so years of his life preaching, preaching that message, the message of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gives a summary of that message earlier in the chapter in verses 3 to 8. He says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Notice that first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as as to one abnormally born. Everything that Paul had lived for and spent his life for over those 30 years was bound up in this message. And if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then Paul is saying, I have wasted 30 years of my life. You think about it. All those imprisonments, all those beatings that he had suffered, all those shipwrecks, those stonings. He mentions them there in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. All of those would have been wasted on him because Jesus would have been nothing more than another dead Jewish rabbi. That's all he would have been. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, well, of course, that changes everything. And it's no wonder that those early apostles and disciples of Christ got so much courage from the fact that they had seen the risen, the physically risen Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were prepared to give their lives for that message. The third reason why the resurrection is so important is that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there's no forgiveness of sins. Look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. In the summary of the Gospel that we read in verses 3 or 4 a moment ago, we see that the death and the resurrection of Jesus, they go together. They're intimately connected. 
If the gospel was that Jesus died and was buried, and that's where it stopped, well then, our sins are not forgiven. That's what Paul is saying. Because, because the resurrection of Jesus confirms that the death of Jesus accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish, which is forgiveness of sins. A dead Christ means that there's no forgiveness. There's no deliverance from the wrath and judgment of God. A dead Christ means that there's no power to overcome sins. A dead Christ means that Jesus is not coming back again. A dead Christ means that there's no hope of eternal life. But a risen Christ means that the penalty and the power of sin have been broken. That we don't have to face the judgment of God and eternal separation from him. A resurrected Christ means that those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will one day be resurrected and spend the rest of eternity with him in glory. Praise God. Yes, I love a hallelujah there. And so we can fully experience all the blessings and the benefits of what Christ achieved for us on the cross because of the resurrection of Jesus. Fourthly, if there's no resurrection, those who have already died as believers are eternally lost. Verse 18. Then those who have fallen asleep, it's the nice way of talking about people who have died, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. I'm a pastor. I have conducted dozens and dozens of funerals over the years. Many of those people whose funerals and burials that I have done have been godly men and women. And when I stand in front of the congregation at those funeral services, you know, time and time and time again, I have reassured reassured the grieving families that when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. How often have I pointed the congregation in their grief to the hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ because that resurrection guarantees that one day we also will be resurrected. But if Christ didn't rise from the dead, well then those sorts of statements are nothing more than a sick joke. They are a deception. And any pastor who preaches uh, the gospel message is telling lies. But if Christ did rise from the dead, All those truths which we believe in our hearts are such a comfort to us and give us such hope in the face of death. And then fifthly, without the resurrection, Christians are to be pitied. Verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. You know, There's nothing worse than feeling like you've been conned, is there? It's like a little child getting to, you know, five or six years of age and suddenly discovering that Santa's not real. You know, and and yet, you know, there are people who don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, in a sense, who 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 are conning us. They're playing games with us. They're, 
there are lots of people today, let's be real, who, who think that we as Christians are loonies, believing in the fact that one day there will be a resurrection from the dead. They say miracles don't happen. In fact, not just miracles don't happen. Miracles can't happen. Science has, has proven you know, that they cannot happen. We're too sophisticated these days to believe in those sorts of things. That's like believing in fairies at the bottom of the garden. How could an intelligent person possibly believe that there is life after death? Especially after you've been stone cold dead, in some cases for years and years. But friends, the resurrection of Jesus tells us that we're not conned. We're not being dudded, if you like, as Christians. That that Jesus, that same Jesus who died on the cross and was buried, got up on that first Easter Sunday morning. Those grave clothes that were binding him all over his face and that sort of thing were shaken free. And that stone, that massive stone that was placed across that tomb was rolled away. And Jesus walked out of that tomb. And he's alive forevermore. He reigns today in heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day he's coming back. He's physically coming back and he's going to take us to be with himself and those people have already died. Their bodies have disintegrated. They're going to get a resurrection body. They're going to precede those of us who are still alive at the time of the second coming and they're going to rise to meet the physical Jesus as he descends and they're going to meet him in the air. He's going to take them to be with him forever. This is the hope that we have and it's all because the, the um, resurrection of Jesus actually confirms it for us. If the gospel ends with the death of Jesus, let's face it, we've been dudded. But if Jesus did come back to life again, well, of course that changes everything. Well, the great news about that first Resurrection Sunday morning is that people did start seeing Jesus and more and more reports kept coming through and saying, you wouldn't believe it. We've seen the risen Jesus. And, um, you know, even those disciples, you know, who at that point hadn't seen him, you know, were, were forced when he suddenly turned up in that room and revealed himself to them. Unfortunately, Thomas wasn't there at the time. He had to wait another week. But, but you know what I mean? You know, there were, well in our Bibles there, I think at least 11 occasions in which Jesus recorded for us where Jesus appeared to people. There were probably many more. But there's no question in the minds of these people, not just one or two, hundreds of people who could testify to the fact that Jesus really was alive. He'd taken on death and he had won. And... uh, He had done something that no one has ever done before or since. Did Buddha do that? Did Confucius do that? Did Muhammad do that? Of course not. So what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for us just as we finish off? Verses 20 to 23. 
But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. The first fruits, they were the, the, the first crops that appeared at the beginning of the harvest time. Some of you may be farmers and you'll understand what this is talking about here. But basically what it's saying is when you, when you see the first fruits there, they are the guarantee that the crop is going to come in over the next couple of weeks. And, um, and what, what Paul is saying here is the resurrection of, the Jesus, of Jesus from the dead is, is the first fruits that guarantee those of us who are Christians that we also one day will be resurrected from the dead. As children of Adam, yes, we have been infected, if you like, with the virus of sin. And otherwise, that virus is terminal. But because of Jesus and because of his death for us upon the cross and his resurrection from the dead, that virus has been not just neutralised, it has been destroyed. And those of us who are in Christ, therefore, don't have to face the prospect of being eternally separated from God. As we put our trust in, in Christ, what he says is, I will take your death upon myself and I'll give you my resurrection life. So we do receive the gift of eternal life. And that means that uh, death for us is not something that we need to fear. What does Romans chapter 3, sorry, 6 verse 23 say? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 5, 24, Very truly I tell you, everyone who hears my word, not just hears it, but believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. As Christians, we are both physically and spiritually safe in Christ and the resurrection of Jesus is the guarantee that one day we also will be resurrected. Now, we live in an age of a lot of pessimism about the state of the world about the future, about where everything's headed. There's a lot of gloom and doom around. I think COVID has probably amplified that. But the resurrection means that we don't have to live with anxiety and fear about the future. What better news could you hope for as a Christian? The fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and he is the first fruits of those of us who have put our trust in him. Not just a spiritual resurrection, whatever that means, but an actual physical resurrection. One day we will, I don't know whether it will be a 25-year-old version or whether it will be a 50-year-old version or an 80-year-old version, but one day we're going to get a resurrection body. One day I'm going to see my wife again and give her a hug. One day I'm going to see my mum and dad again. Because we're going to be resurrected and we're going to get a resurrection body. Exactly what it will be like, 
We're not, a, we're not told. All right. But it's going to be pretty good and it's going to be perfect. And so those of you who've got a few aches and pains or a few barnacles sort of popping up here and there, you know, don't worry. Better days are coming. Death couldn't hold him down. Nothing could stop him and he's alive today. Is your confidence in the resurrected Jesus? I hope so. I mean, I don't know who I'm talking to here today, well, not most of you anyway. Um, I suspect that probably most of you are Christians. If so, I hope this is a great encouragement to your faith. And I hope that, you know, as you, as you, as you reflect on the, the significance of the resurrection, that all the blessings and the benefits of the, of the resurrection that flow through into our lives as Christians will be a real uplift for you, you know, today. And encourage me to keep on faithfully living your life for Christ. Looking forward to the blessed hope one day going to be with him forever. If you're not a Christian, can I encourage you today to take a closer look at Jesus? He's not just an ordinary man. He's not just a very good man. He's the Son of God who died and who rose from the dead. And through his death and resurrection, He has removed our sin and given us new life, eternal life in him. The credibility of Jesus and all those other benefits flow as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But one final thing I just want to encourage us with and that is that one day the physical Jesus is coming back for us. I would like to ask that Archbishop whether he believes in the second coming of Christ. If Jesus is just spiritually risen, does he believe that Jesus is coming back? How does a spiritual Jesus come back? How does every eye see him? Uh, I, I honestly don't know. But one day, the Jesus who walked out of that tomb and rose and ascended into heaven is going to descend and every eye is going to see him. Every time he's going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Trust in Jesus. Find your hope in Jesus. Cling tenaciously to him. Live your life for him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, as we think about what it must have been like on that first resurrection Sunday morning, we think of the excitement, Lord, as reports start seeping through people who had seen Jesus. They started to connect the dots and remember things that Jesus had said the previous three years. Oh Lord, what an exciting day that must have been. And Lord, I just pray that maybe we might capture just a little bit of that excitement ourselves today as Christians as we think about the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, fill our hearts with joy. Give us, Lord, Uh, a a, a fresh courage to want to own our faith and to stand up for that faith and maybe even tell others about it. Help us, Lord, to realise that the Jesus who is risen is the Jesus that we serve, the Jesus that is in the world today. 
Jesus who is one day going to come back and take us to be with him forever. Oh Father, fill our hearts with a, a real sense of joy and gratitude and excitement today as we contemplate these wonderful truths. Amen.